Welcome to the Kiwi Advisor Network podcast. Today we've got a very special guest. We've got Jeff Royal from Islander, who has well, he's joined us today. I mean, he's probably the best mortgage broker in New Zealand, according to his website. <laughs> he's also he's also known in some circles as Mr. Rizzy Mac, focusing in that non-main bank space. So thanks so much for joining us here today. Welcome. Thank you very much for having me. Great to be here. Yeah, it's a pleasure. And um, I thought it may be a good place to start. We were talking about it just before uh, we went live, but um, just about your journey. You know, you've obviously got an accent from from old blimey. Um, I have. How did you yes. end up in New Zealand? New Zealand, that's a very long story and a good story. Um, so about 20 years ago, um, number one son uh, had been threatening to go traveling. And he was about 20 and I'd heard it for probably three years and I'd spent most of my life in different parts of the world. And one day I said to him, look, I'm over listening to this. Um, here's your air ticket. Bugger off around the world. <laughs> and in those days you could buy a round the world ticket and it was valid for 12 months. Oh. So he went to Australia, first of all, where I have family and then he ended up in New Zealand. So he got back to the UK and he would not stop going on and on and on about New Zealand. And eventually I said, okay, we'll go. So we did the usual pommy thing. I think we arrived about the 15th of, of, of December, six weeks in a camper truck, probably saw more of New Zealand than most Kiwis yeah. um, and completely and utterly <laughs> fell in love with the place. Uh, so I went back to the UK. So we were running a mortgage packaging business in those days. That doesn't really, uh, yeah, there is no equivalent really here in New Zealand. Okay. How, what, um, how would you describe that just for those? A mortgage packaging business was we had 12 lenders on our panel. So that could be mainstream bank at one end to a private financier right. at the other. And we had their mandate. So within our office, we could take an application and say, okay, it's coming on lender A. But once we've done the credit searches, once we've done the servicing, once we've done all the other research, actually it doesn't fit lender A, it fits lender C. So we would then go back to the, to the customer in those days, the brokers, and say, look, sorry, guys, it doesn't fit lender A, but it was a solution for you. And as long as they accepted that, then we did everything in-house. So we packaged the application to a, to a particular lender. Right. I don't think that will ever happen here. Uh, I, I, don't, I can't imagine whether it be a bank or a non-bank lender allowing a third party to have basically their rule book right. and, and allowing a third party to actually say, yep, we will sign this off. And this uh, was you and your wife, Heather, who yep. started Eilinda with you, right? Yep. Okay. Yep. Yeah. So we're running that in the UK, uh, 2006, and we sat on coming to New Zealand for a year and it was like the old holiday romance. You know, you, you, you've been to a place think, oh my God, this is an amazing place. Um, and I'd lived in 14 countries before coming to New Zealand. So I've got a bit of a taste of, of, of the world. Right. So we eventually said, right, we'll come. So we came here uh, in August 2006, um, settled in, and we set up the business in March 2007. Um, and for the first four or five months, it was, um, it was almost like taking candy from a baby. Um, <laughs> the, the business just went nuts. Um, and then, of course, dear old thing called the GFC came along. Mm, great timing. Um, and I don't think we'll see this again. I, I hope we won't see this again. But what happened was that the, the funding lines behind the non-bank lenders at that time stopped overnight. So even if a lender wanted to lend money, there was no money behind them to fund the, the, the application. Wow. So the whole non-bank lending sector ground to a a very resounding halt, um, which caused a few problems. 
uh, at the time. So I did a lot of fishing. Um, <laughs> as you do. As you do. Um, I, I go shooting as well. So I, I shoot clay birds. Um, so I did a lot of shooting and I did my exams for what's called a range officer. So basically a glorified thing that says you, you can teach people how not to kill each other with a gun, which is quite important, particularly at the moment. Yeah. yeah. Um, and then, of course, we had all the new regulations came in uh, in the late 2000s. So it was a good time to study. So right. back to study. So I did my level five in May 2011. So one of the first to do that. I remember you doing the, the fill the gaps course. I remember discussing that. <laughs> yes, we won't go there. Um, um, uh, because in that period from sort of 2008, 2011, 12, in, 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 in the alternative lending space, there was just nothing. Um, and even in the bank space, you know, the banks were extremely cautious. So the mortgage industry or mortgage broker industry at that time was was pretty harsh. I mean, a completely different landscape to what it was. It was, now. It was very harsh. Yeah. Um, was it harsher uh, then than it was maybe like December, January? Oh, a, a, a different planet. Right. You know, okay. I mean, now we are experiencing difficulties. Um, hopefully they may ease next month. We'll see what, what, what the government comes up with next month. Okay. Um, but no, that time was, 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 was much, much worse. And then bringing the clock forward now, if, if you look at, at, at the non-bank space the, or the alternative space, which I think it's becoming more known for rather than the non-bank, um, the way the non-banks are funded is completely different. Um, so will we see another repeat of funding lines being pulled? I, I, I don't think so. I, I think there's been a maturity in, in the alternative lenders and they're so well funded, and they've got such good track records now um, that I, that I don't see them having funding issues going forward. So it's, that's a great space to be in. And so, just going back to your journey, uh, so you came to New Zealand. Uh, you obviously like set your business up. Yep. What were the so what were the toughest parts when you first got started around that kind of like apart from GFC? So let's say you've got past that. Yep. What were the differences between like the challenges you had then and the challenges you have now? I think then was new kid on the block. So arriving in New Zealand, we didn't know anybody, like nobody at all. So no family here, uh, no relations, nobody. Do you find New Zealand, did you find it difficult to, to meet people? Is it no. quite clicky or okay? No, complete reverse. Oh, great. Um, I, I've always found with New Zealand, if, if, if you put out, you will get back. It, and it's the same with, with, with just the whole culture of New Zealand. You know, it's, it's such an, an outdoor place. So if you really want to do something, you can. Oh, you know, and you get it back in hunting space. and fishing. You know, you're, fishing. you're in paradise. Yeah, it is. And I live by the ocean, and you know, that's pretty. You're cool. a coast guard as well, aren't you? Yeah, yeah. How do you find the time to do all this? I'm always very impressed. Um, yes, I guess sometimes you just make time. Yeah. Um, <laughs> so yeah, ten years, ten years, um, senior coast guard, which is fun. Um, I mean, it's a serious side to it, obviously, but but it is a lot of fun. Um, and even if we're not out rescuing somebody or, you know, stopping a boat sinking or, or something like that, there's training going on. Um, there's, there's, um, a lot of camaraderie around, you know, what we're out on the water and yeah. And then, and then I was a skipper for the America's cup. Oh, uh, wow. Last year, which was incredible. Amazing. That was just amazing. Um, and there's a photograph in my office, um, which is of the final day it's taken by a drone. And on the final race, there were 2,400 boats 
in Haraki Gulf coming back into Auckland and there were nine of us in a line from North Head back to Mechanics Bay and our job was to slow this huge amount of <laughs> boats uh, coming at us to yep. five knots because the harbour master said five knot rule in, in the harbour. <laughs> Imagine and, the um, <laughs> It became very obvious that a lot of people can't count. Um, or well, decided they didn't want to count. I can imagine <laughs> that the counting was difficult when you've probably been drinking all day. Uh, I suspect that might you have had are, something to do with it. You're like a border collie on a farm trying to herd 20,000 yeah, drunk it was, sheep. It was, it, was, it was challenging. It was a lot of fun. A lot of fun. So the, so the challenge when we got here was obviously not knowing anybody. Um, I, th I think with the GFC, the timing was, was rubbish. I mean, it, we, we, we didn't know anybody. We didn't have a track record. Um, we didn't really understand the, the dynamics of, of the mortgage industry here in New Zealand. And it's very different to Australia. It's very different to the UK. Um, regulatory framework's very different, far lax here. So for those of you watching this who think regulation in New Zealand is harsh, I've got bad news for you because it isn't. Um, on a scale of one to 10, New Zealand's probably on about a four. New Ze uh, Australia would probably be on a six. Right. And the UK would probably be on an eight or nine. And what, so, do you know much about the US market and the difficulty there as well? US market's probably on about a seven. Okay. Yeah. Um, and, but the good news for, for our industry is in, in New Zealand, I think, I think one of the banks came out the other day saying brokers accounted for 55% of, 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 of originations. Um, Australia averages around 65%. Mm. Um, the UK is around 80%. And the US is around ninety percent. That New Zealand number has seen a big jump. Big, big jump. jump. So, so the fact that the other major players, if you like, globally have got a, a higher uh, penetration, to me says we've got a long way to go. Which is great. You know, that means there's room for growth in our in our industry. And the regulatory framework is is about right. You know, none of us like rules and regulations really, um, but actually, I think the balance is is. It's pretty much it's pretty much there. Moving the clock forward from 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 the GFC to now, uh, the brand is obviously established. Um, so we've got eight members of the team in the office. So I can go out. So go back to Coast Guard if I get called out. I have an app on my phone that goes off and it just says urgent, go. And all the staff know that if that goes off, I just leave. Wow. I, I just have to go. Um, Slide down the pole. Uh, well, sort of. Yeah. Sirens on jump in a certain car um, <laughs> and, and, and drive quite quickly um, to the boat. And we prepared the boat. And, and speed them, of course. Of course, yeah, yeah. yes, yes. Um, and um, but, so the office works. So I don't have to be there the whole time, right. which is a really nice position uh, to be in. So the brand has been established. Um, I think for people starting out on our, in our industry, you know, we, we have a great industry. Uh, we have a great growth potential in our industry. And I was asked the other day by by someone who's, who's thinking about getting into it. So he's currently working for a bank and he's fed up with that and he's talk, wanting to talk, maybe go into the mortgage industry or mortgage broking industry. And he said, what would what, what I do? And I said, well, you've got to really, I think, decide what you want to be. So you can be a, a GP, general practitioner. Um, you could focus on first home buyers. Um, you could focus on investors. Um, you could focus on alternative lending. You could focus on business lending. You, you really need to set out your store. What's your what's your USP? What mm. what's your value add to to a consumer? 
So a consumer can go to any bank, walking off the high street to any bank. You know, what are you going to do to make that experience? Add that value. Better? Add that value. Um, so what, and, for those who don't know, sorry, Jeff, um, mm. what, what would you say your USP is and then how did you land at that point? Um, so our USP is if the bank says no, we like to say yes. So that's pretty broad statement. Um, but it means something. It, it, well, it mm. does. I mean, and the banks the banks have a, a probably about a 90-plus um, penetration of, of mortgage lending in, in New Zealand. Um, that still leaves a fair percentage of, of deals for whatever reason they cannot do. And, and I often say to people, it's, it's not a bank – they, they won't do something. Quite often it's they can't. So constrained by regulation, constrained by their own rules and regulations. So, so non-bank lenders obviously have rules and regulations, but they're different. Um, so a, a, a non-bank would be a much more commercially based decision. Does it make sense? Are we putting this person in a bad space? Are we helping these people? Those are the sort of conversations uh, that go on. So our space has always been, if the bank says no, we try and say yes. And that came about nearly 30 years ago in London, chance conversation in a pub, funny enough. Um, um, <laughs> I just, I, I, yes, I, I just come back. So I, I lived in Portugal for a few years in the 80s and I came back to, to, went back to the UK and I met a guy in a pub and it was usual, you know, what you do and all this kind of stuff. And he ran a, a company um, called First Corporate Securities, which sounds very oh, grand. Yeah, very grand. And basically he was he was a broker. And in those days, there was no such thing as a non-bank lender. So it was generally private money, families with lots of money looking to lend it. Um, so he said, that, you know, you, you seem the sort of guy that, that would fit this sort of market. So I went to see him at his home and his, his office was above his garage. So you had this first corporate securities, beautiful letter heading. You know, it, talk about punch above your weight. You're expecting uh, like a big skyscraper. Oh, I was and... expecting this mega mansion. <laughs> no. Um, and that's how I got into non-bank uh, lending, so early 90s. Um, and then the heyday for that in Europe was really 95 to 05, explosion in, 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 in the non-bank space, which unfortunately ended up with subprime crisis. 2006, 2007, which was made out of the states that then had ripple effects. Oh yeah, you know, across around the world, uh, across the world. Um, but it goes back to what I said earlier that I think the the non-bank space has matured. You know, it, it is now is is the dawn of the golden era of of, of non-bank lending uh, in in New Zealand, and you've got such a range of lenders um, from the ones that are so close to a bank that they actually could be a bank. Um, but because they're not a bank, they're not bound by the same, you know, rules and regulations. Ties. And, mm. So they are able to write deals that a bank would perhaps like to write, mm. but they can't. Right. Um, and then you go right through to, um, you know, people that have had an unfortunate instant, whether you know, bankruptcy or, or um, relationship breakdown, business yeah, failure. Yeah, blip on their uh, yeah. radar. So we always call it a life-changing event. Something happened. Um, quite often it's a one-off. Um, you you know, learn from so, them, don't you? Well, you know, but if there's something really bad on the credit file and it does tend to stick around, unfortunately the banks, it's just not their appetite. Mm. Um, and that's the same, and, and I, 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 
I don't really understand why. Um, huge number of New Zealanders live overseas. Um, and even though we've had, obviously, with the COVID the last couple of years, and a lot of New Zealanders have come home, there are still hundreds of thousands of New Zealanders living and working in London, New York, Tokyo, Dubai, you know, over in Australia. Um, and the reason for that is that the reason for being there hasn't really changed. You know, people go overseas to earn more money, to get experience. That hasn't changed. That's what I did. You know? Yeah, seven yeah. years. Yeah. Mm. Um, if, they, however, they want to buy a property back home, then by and large, the banks are not too happy with that. So they, they, they display that by making it hard. So you would have a, a scaling of income. If you're self-employed in, in the UK, for example, I don't think there's a bank in New Zealand that will lend to you. Um, whereas the non-bank sector will say, okay, hang on a minute, you're going to put 40% deposit down on the property because it's, it's an investment property. So you're, we're only going in at 60%. So there is no real risk factor there. And then they put a wrap around the rest. So do you earn the money? Can we verify it? And, and they will use most of the income, taking into account expenses and stuff like that. And then they can use the rental income. So, so the non-bank space has real niches within the industry or within the market to make sure that people can, can achieve what they want to do. And I was asked by an advisor how to build, you know, they've been going for a year or two and they want to build that strong relationship with like some of the non-main bank lenders. Yeah. How did you go about it? I know the obvious way is, you know, sending deals, but is, is there any other tips you'd have? Yep. Yeah. <laughs> um, I, think, I think it's like everything. Um, it, not everybody is suited to all types of lending. So it's, it's, like, um, it's like being a doctor. You know, you, a, a, a GP will cover everything and then you go into your specialist. So a, uh, an orthodontist will probably make a very bad GP, if that's a pretty bad analogy, but, but you understand. I mean, you're right. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah, you understand what I'm saying. So, so in the non-bank space is, is very much a state of mind. It's, 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 it can be done. Um, and a lot of the mortgage advisors, in my experience, have come out of a bank. So they've been trained in the bank methodology. Non-bank lending is completely different. It, it's far more creative. So it's less strip scripted. It's it's less tick box. So it's a state of mind. It's you know there is a deal here, um, and we break deals down into their component parts. And and I've always called it the three E's. So you've got earnings, equity, and exit strategy. So if you've got two of the three in, in a proposal, 99% of the time there is a solution for that customer. Mm. It might take a bit of ferreting to find it, but, but that's what you do. You can get an outcome most of the time. Yeah. Um, so for people who are not experienced in, in non-bank, I think there's a couple of ways of doing it. One is obviously learn, so educate yourself. And, and I've always found the BDMs, at the non-bank lenders, really helpful. Good appetite. Really, really helpful. Mm. Very happy to workshop a deal. And, and we still do that now. You know, we will still pick up the phone to a, a BDM and, and just run a deal by them rather than waste the time of the underwriter or submit a deal that may not go anywhere because that's just time-consuming. It just slows everything up. Pick up the phone, workshop the deal on the phone, um, and make sure that you only supply what they ask for. So there are some golden, like, no-nos 
with 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 all lenders, but particularly non-bank. Um, so uh, two come to mind. One would be um, there's a product called AltDoc or LowDoc. So this is for self-employed people, where the financial accounts perhaps don't reflect the true state of of that business, or they're not ready, um, or there's been exceptions in those financial accounts. So AltDoc is alternative documentation. So it could be an accountant certificate. It could be GST returns. It could be six months business bank statements that show the money washing through those accounts. So the lender can see that, yes, my business is turning over a million bucks a year and I'm declaring an income of 100,000. They look at the bank statements. Does that make sense? Yes, it does. Tick the box. Loans approved. The worst thing an advisor can do is submit a loan on that basis, so on alt.basis, basis, and then be helpful and send in a set of financial accounts. Right. That happens every day. Mm. You've just killed the deal because a lender cannot unsee what they see. So if they don't ask for something, don't send it in. I remember when I was going for my, you just reminded me of this, going for my visa in the UK, I was getting permanent residency. Yeah. And I was reading all these blogs about, and people were saying, you know, they asked for three months bank statements. I'm sending them 12. And <laughs> no. <laughs> I, was, I, was, I was getting stressed about it. I was like, you know, what should I do? And then yeah, all these people saying they got rejected. And then I was like, you know, I'm just going to do what they say. Just have to do, do and that. guess what, Jeff? It went through. It went through. Yeah. And the other one is bank statements. Um, you know, there is, a, there is a non-bank lender who do not require bank statements. Right. At all. So why would you send bank statements in? Because if you do send the bank statements in, they've got to read them. Um, and, um, you know, we have been through two years of pretty unpleasant stuff in, in New Zealand, you know, with COVID. And if you look at a lot of bank statements, and I'm sure advisors out there would agree, you know, we look at bank statements, you can see rather too many trips to super liquor, um, rather too much Bet 24365, you know, there's an awful lot of, of unusual stuff mm. going on in people's bank statements because people have been locked up. You know, it's been a pretty unpleasant time. Well, you show those to a, to, to, to a bank and you're probably going to have a decline. Mm. So if a lender says we don't need to see bank statements, why would you send them in? So it's, it's, it's those things. It, it's, it's like unconditioning because I'm, always, I've always sent three months bank statements. Yes, that's because you've been asked to send them in. Now a lender comes along that says we don't need bank statements. Don't send them in. It's it's really simple. And um, I'd like to go back to um, if we could just rewind back to you know when you started the business just for the GFC. I know sometimes like business will go through tough times that it's out out of their control. You know maybe there's like a dip in the market. How do you weather that storm and steady the ship? Like how did you um, get through that period? So that you could come out on the other side, and to a certain extent now, mm. you know, the, uh, there's a lot that a lot of businesses out there that that are hurting, um, and they're two very different things. Well, in our journey, two very different things. So the, the 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 GFC was was different for us because new kids on the block, new country. Um, we didn't really know the industry as 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 we know it now, um, and then of course you know GFC came along and and and, right and, and, and you know, hurt. Um, we were fortunate in that we had the financial reserve to weather that storm, 
Uh, Imagine the, the pound uh, to New Zealand dollar ratio was, well, it was uh, three to in, one. Your, in your favour there. It was three to one. I remember that coming in, uh, converting pounds to the Kiwi dollars. Um, the, the, thing, the, the one thing that hurt us was my visa at that time was a long-term business visa to come to New Zealand. And it doesn't exist anymore, thank goodness. Um, it's very prescriptive. So I came to New Zealand to set up a mortgage company called, in those days, it wasn't called iLender, it was called the Specialist Lender. Um, and I had to work in Auckland and I had to work for myself and I had to do certain things. When the whole thing fell apart uh, in the GFC, I remember going to New Zealand Immigration saying, look, financial services is, is dead. You know, it, it's not me. It, the industry is in, 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 in strife. Can I do something else? I can imagine their ears pricking and going, oh, we've actually got a farm that you can do some fruit picking at. Well, they actually said, we'll escort you to the plane. Really? It was that. I bad. can't imagine it was a private jet it taking did. you to Probably not. No. <laughs> Probably <laughs> not. Um, so basically we had to weather the storm. So so we were fortunate. So we actually downsized the house. Um, I sold my boat. Um, but you do what you need to do. Yep. Um, but what we did do was use that time because we knew we've been around long enough. It's cyclical. You know, we've, we've had recessions before. The GFC was, was actually man-made. It wasn't a natural thing. It was man-made by, by people in, in the States. Uh, but we had recessions before in the 80s. We had them in the 70s. It, it's not an uncommon thing. So you, you learn to use the time. So we used the time, particularly probably around 2010, 11, to upskill on products. So we knew this is the market we wanted to be in. So we need to be the expert. We need to be the guru of, of what, we, what we do. Um, new regulation came in. So let's get that out of the way. So level five was on the way. I mean, it took years to actually really mm. come into effect, but why wait? Um, and in those days, I, I remember doing the um, uh, you had to do case studies. I did them too. Yeah. Yep. <laughs> so it's three case studies, and the first one was a first time buyer. That was easy. Second one was a, somebody buying an investment property. That was easy. The third one was um, I got a phone call from a lady quite late in the afternoon, and she rang to say I've just got home from work, and there's a Barfoot's mortgagee board in my front lawn. What should I do? So I sort of said, well, hang on a minute. <laughs> Run that by me again. Um, anyway, it transpires that the husband had been made redundant and he hadn't told her. And he diverted the mail and the phones and all that kind of stuff and the post. And so the, 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 the bank had been sending them reminders and trying to get hold of them. No, 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 no response. So, you know, PLA took its course, ended up with a, with a, with a, with a board. So I shot down to, to, to see her. And the house in those days was probably worth just under a million bucks. And I think the, the mortgage was about 300,000. Um, and I applied what I call a sticking plaster. So I used a, a finance company for six months. Um, and then I managed to refinance them to, to, a, to another bank. Um, so you have to sanitize the files, as you know, so you can't give names when you, when you do the... Yeah, to, right. To, yeah. But I actually got a phone call from the assessor to say, I've got your files, awesome, thank you. I've just read the third one. Did this really happen? <laughs> and I said, well, yes, it did, and it's not that uncommon. 
And her comment was, this is the true value of an advisor. I know that, I think you're the number one reviewed mortgage advisor on Trade Me, right? On Trade Me, yes. And um, what, are the, what are the places to, do you uh, ask for the reviews to be done? Like, yeah. Okay. Yeah. So we have a, uh, when, when, a, when a loan settles, we send out um, a standard email. Um, we send a little package as well, a few little goodie bits. Oh, in it. But we actually ask people to write a review. So Trade Me um, came to an end really probably about three years ago that they've, they've changed the way they, they work. So at that time, we had more reviews on Trade Me than, than just about anybody else uh, in the industry. Um, and now Google. Yeah, Google's really uh, strong. Google's really strong. Um, and people read them. You know, so we get, we get so many calls from people saying, oh, I went online looking for a mortgage advisor and you came up and we read your reviews. We want to do business with you, um, which is lovely. How many reviews have you got on Google at the moment? Google 105 or something like so, that. And do you know yeah. the do you know the rating? 4.9, I think it yeah, is. Yeah, see, that's... It, it's, it's pretty up there. Mm. Uh, and you do get the odd bad one. We've got two. Yeah. Bad ones. Um, one of which we've, we've never known who it is. That's um, so frustrating. It's a complete, you know, we person. went through everything. And, and, and we use, and I'll give you a plug here, we use Trail. Uh, Trail is the most amazing piece of kit. It, it is an awesome piece of software. And, and if anybody doesn't use it, you bloody well should do. Uh, it, it's great. So we, we've used Trail, and obviously we imported all our back data into it as well. So when the first bad review came up, we went through everything. And there is no record in the office of us ever having communication with that person. So it's how you deal with that review. So we basically went back saying, really sorry to read this. We actually have no uh, information about your case. Um, however, if you'd like to get back in touch, you know, I'm sure we can resolve whatever issue uh, it, it was and left it at that. Uh, and then when we had, we had a bad one recently um, where uh, a, a bank messed up basically. Um, and of course the, the customer's not interested in the bank messing up. We are there. Yeah, they see you as we're there, we're, we're the at face. the coal face. Um, and we did eventually get it resolved, but it was a bit messy. And so we took that one on the chin. You know, we're not perfect. Um, but you've got to learn you know, from it. Yeah. And you and you learn. So mm. it's like all these things, it's 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 stuff happens, you you deal with it, you learn from it, you maybe make some changes. And, 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 and move forward. Because some people who maybe they're a first-time buyer, they're not sure of the process. They want to know they can trust you. Yes. And, you know, one of the ways is having that conversation with you. But even before they have that chat, people check online. Like everybody searches. We all do. Yeah. We all do. It's become part of our research process. And it doesn't matter what you're buying. Mm. You will generally look at previous experience from a client, a customer. Always. Uh, and we're in the service industry. Um, so, you know, we, we, what we sell, if you like, is not tangible. It, it, it's a service. Um, and so it's the way we deliver the service. And first-time buyers um, are quite high maintenance, you know. So, so you, you, if you specialise in that field, I think you have to be very clear and set expectations. Um, so if a first-time buyer comes to you saying, I found this property over there, and this is their first time. I mean, they are going to be mega excited about finding their dream home. You just saying that reminded me of you the know, first time we saw. I'm like, this is the one. Oh, I remember. <laughs> I mean, I remember buying my first apartment in London, 
um, 11,000 pounds, gosh. Um, Where was that it? Was a, that was a long time ago. Um, so that was in Worcester Park in, in South London. Oh, yeah. um, I wonder what that would pounds. be now. <laughs> yes. Um, but, but I mean, but I, you know, but to get it, um, you know, I worked for myself. I've never had a, a job as such. I've always worked for myself. Um, was a mission. Mm. Um, and um, I used a broker. Wow. Do you remember? Even that, even that long ago. Um, Are they still going? And, and, and it was very frustrating because it took forever. Um, so it's setting the expectation. Mm. Um, so, you know, you can't have it overnight. It is going to take however long it takes. So we all know at the moment approvals are taking, let's say it's a week. Um, tell them that. Actually, probably tell them 10 days. Because if you then do it in seven, you're a star. If you say you're going to do it in seven, it takes 10, you're probably not such a star. So it's setting that level. Talk them through the process. You know, the, the mortgage application is one part of the process. Your lawyer's got to check things. You ought to have a building inspection done on, on a property, particularly in New Zealand. Um, you know, the standard of property generally can be a bit not good. Yeah. Um, very few people actually do, which amazes me. So in the UK, it's almost mandatory. Here, it's not. And, and, and I've had the conversation with people many times saying, you're spending $600,000 on a property, but you won't spend 600 bucks on a report. I, I struggle with that. Yeah, it's, you know, um, <laughs> makes me nervous because especially uh, in New Zealand, you know, we had um, going through our journey and we got properties inspected and yeah. just things you'd never even consider. I, I'd always opt to go along with the guy who yeah. did our inspections and I learned so much from that. Yep. And, you know, to the point where when I'd go to an open home, I'd know straight away, okay, it's probably not going to be good because I can see the water ingress, you know. Yeah, that doesn't help. No. No. And, I've, and then you've got the whole leaky home thing that if, I, if people had just spent, you know, 1% of, of what they were buying on the property at the outset, maybe a lot of people wouldn't be in the trouble mm. they are now. But that's, you know, that's your learning curve. So then, you know, moving moving to now, you know, the 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 whole industry obviously has changes in the last twelve months with regulatory changes. Um, I think it's an exciting time. You know, it's a hard time at the moment, but what we do is always we 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 actually did this yesterday. Um, we had an hours sort of barnstorming session in the office uh, around the table, so we involve everybody in the team. Um, so we just thrashed around some ideas. You know, what, what extra can we do? How can we improve what we're doing? Um, we've gone to a couple of lenders now for some tweaks on can we try and maybe twist this a little bit to make that fit? Um, so the whole, the whole lending space is live. It, it constantly evolves. Um, and sometimes I think lenders need reminding that, you know, the rule book they set was 12 months ago and a lot's happened in 12 months. Mm. So maybe we could perhaps look to change things and if you're dealing with the smaller lenders you'd be amazed how quickly they can change and how often will you revise a strategy or a process constantly yeah would it be like a like a monthly type thing where you sit yeah. down with the team okay because yeah. we yeah. um we had some new blood into the company and i think it's always a good time you get people who are new and energized to look at something that you've been yeah. doing and oh, already there's been like so many things that we've improved on yeah yeah um how do you how do you go about that when you're looking to implement change? Like, how do you get buy-in from the rest of the team? Um, so we have a discussion. Um, I mean, at the end of the day, there's only one skipper um, in any ship. 
uh, and it's me. Look at me. Um, I'm the yeah, captain now. Yeah, so I'm, you know, I'm the skipper. Um, and the crew all call me skipper anyway. <laughs> and I am a skipper uh, in, in the nautical sense as well. Um, so I would love if you had a big, like, uh, steering ship steering wheel at the front of the there desk. Is, there is a ship steering wheel in my office underneath the picture of the, <laughs> of, of, of the New Zealand boat winning the, uh, winning the America's Cup last year. Yes. Um, so, so at the end of the day, I have to make the final decision but we are very much an inclusive you know we will listen to everybody mm-hmm. at the end of the day it, 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 it it's my call um we'll also look at external people um so we've got a couple of people that we will call on from time to time um one is very much uh, a business mentor in our industry so very very focused on on financial services uh and the other one is um he's more and he's very well known um, for expanding businesses, growing businesses, franchising businesses, licensing businesses. Um, he, 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 he's a very um, interesting guy. Uh, nothing to do with our industry at all, which is why we selected him. Mm. So we wanted him to come and look at us as, a, as purely as a business. Forget the product. What are we doing or what are we not doing? Or how have we changed? How have we not changed? So we do that as a constant uh, thing. Because we live in a live market, it it does change, uh, and and if you don't change, you probably won't survive. So you've just got to constantly evolve your business um, going forward. So you've built up this great business over the last twenty years. Like, you know, what is? What, do you have like an end goal in mind? Like, what is success? <laughs> Where do we go from here? Yeah. Um, so I'm now sixty five. Um, okay. I'm still twenty five, thirty in my head, uh, and and stuff, and the body's still working quite well right um the future um we're still very much in growth mode um we have uh we have two more people coming on board in the next couple of months or so to expand the team right um i see i see our niche within the industry so the actual alternative lending space non-bank space called which like um probably accounts at the moment for around four four and a half percent of the total lending market in New Zealand. Most pundits were saying, we're probably gonna see that double or treble in the next two or three years. So we are right in the forefront of, of, of in being involved in that and driving that uh, forward. So I think the future is great uh, for what we do. And if we can help other advisors along the way um, by helping their clients, well, it's a win-win, hmm. you know, win-win for everybody. Um, and not every deal is going to be the sort of deal that we do. So if, if you're an advisor that is normally in the bank space, you might only pick up a non-bank deal once a month. I still think it's important that you capitalise on that and, and, you, and you, you maximise that because at the end of the day, you've got a customer. And even if I'm doing it for you on your behalf, as far as the customer's concerned, you are the advisor. I'm just, I'm just your back office. I'm just your facilitator to get that deal over the line and you have a very happy customer at the end of the day. And how do you bring those two new advisors into the business? Is like, where does the decision lie? Like, is it, oh, I've got too many leads now, I need to bring somebody in to, to help or how do you it's, make that decision? It's probably a mix of things. It's, um, so we have become an amazing lead generator um, and that's by design. That wasn't by accident. So um, some people have said they actually get peed off 
we're constantly seeing Islander in the Herald or on the <laughs> Trade Me or, or you know, whatever they're looking at, Islander pops up. You know, that's design. You know, that we've, we've put a lot of effort, a lot of money um, in, into that. Uh, our Google rankings, organic and all that kind of stuff, we, 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 we're there. So our lead generating ability is, is, is very cool. Um, it's, it's satisfying those leads. So the last thing I want to do is have a whole bunch of leads come in and they're not dealt with. So in the office, we have a rule. Mm. Um, the lead is dealt with that day. That, that's cast, that's yeah. cast in stone. Mm. You know, that person will be contacted uh, by closing business that day. You think about somebody contacting you, they are interested right there and then. Yep. You need to strike while the iron's hot. You need to strike. And, and mm. we're quite often not the first place that people will try. We, we will get dozens of people say, I've been to this broker, I've been to this bank, whatever, help. So we're like last chance saloon for a lot of people. So the clock's already been ticking. So I've got a sale and purchase agreement. I've got a repossession, uh, you know, whatever it might be, very tight timeframes. And we're used to dealing in, in tight timeframes. So that sometimes dictates where you go for your lending. So it may well be that in terms of product, the best lender might be lender A, but they're taking a week to process. I haven't got a week. I've got 48 hours. So I have to go to lender B who will turn it around in 48 hours, but they'll charge you maybe half a point mm. on, on the interest rate. And I have that conversation with, with the customer. So best product is not necessarily always best rate. It's, it's can I have it and can I have <laughs> it, it in now. time? You know, otherwise I'm going to be in default or, you know, whatever it is. And the new advisors you bring to the business, are they uh, people who have been in the industry already or are they new to industry new. you're bringing them in? Bit of a mix. Okay. Um, so the, the two we've got now, uh, one has been in financial services but not mortgages, um, who's just done his level five. Um, and the other one is uh, an existing advisor um, who uh, I've known for quite some time and he, he, he's struggling. Um, he, he's struggling with lead generation. He's struggling with the whole compliance thing. Um, and, and, the, and the main thing is, is cost. Mm. You know, um, in the new regime now, if, if you're a, a one-man band, um, I guess you're looking at, what, $2,000 a month, I would think. Yeah, yeah, I hear about like 20K it, it, a year. That seems to be it, like it, the, it's, the it's overhead. It is, you know, and that's before you get out of bed. Mm. Um, and that's before you've got to generate your lead. And, you know, how do you generate your lead? And, you know, it could be you know, old school, like go knocking on doors and stuff like that, which I certainly did many years ago. Um, or you get a bit more high tech, but the high tech costs. Um, so there's a lot of advisors who who are, are good people, but perhaps need the umbrella of a, of a larger business to cover those costs. Um, and then they can grow. So we have... They're almost like um, almost like little satellites. So we've got mothership, uh, and then we've got little satellites. So we grow their business with our business, and it works really well. Because from time to time, I have new advisors who are looking to join the industry, mm. and every time I'm, I always say, "You've got to go speak to an established business and learn and work under somebody." Because it's going to take so much longer, yeah. and the end result's not going to be as good as working with somebody who's like super experienced. Yeah. Um, and especially with the new regime, there's a lot more responsibility to run a fat. Um, a lot more responsibility. And the last couple of years, obviously, we've had COVID. We've now got all the 
um, unmentionable regulation changes um, at, at the end of last year. Um, you know, it's hard. Um, so, and, and we do know of a lot of advisors who've come into the industry in the last couple of years who, who are unhappy, you know, and, and some of them are really good people, mm. uh, but they are really struggling. So if we can provide a vehicle to, to, to enable them to stay in the industry and grow, then, hey, I'm, I'm, I'm a very happy boy. And we need new blood. You know, I'm 65. Um, I've got two main advisors in the office. You know, they're north of 50. Um, you know, they're, 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 they're great people, acres of experience in, 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 and stuff, but we need new blood. And would you have any tips for, you know, let's say right now it's a quiet time for the mm. industry. You talked before about upskilling and just really like batting the hatches for when uh, the good yep. times roll in again. Yeah. Are there any tips or anything you'd say that advisors should be working on now to, to get ready? Absolutely. So, I mean, you've got, you've got, um, you've got the regulatory stuff. So by now, if, if people haven't sorted out their FAP or sorted out their level five, maybe it's getting to the point where do you really want to be in the industry? You know, we've had so much time to prepare for this. And I think according to the FMA recently that the uptake is still. Yeah, considerably low. I heard a figure yesterday. Pretty low. Yeah. Um, so it's come on, guys. And they've said you know, September. You know, we've always got March, but September they want people to have their license yeah. applications. So, done. so what's holding you back? Mm. Um, I, I think part of that might be a bit of oh my god, you know, it's 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 another application to a regulator. Having gone through that, it's it's not difficult. Yeah, it's time consuming. You've got to get your documentation up up to speed. But then you know, this is where you guys come in with templates. Um, Lee a lot of is shortcuts. just amazing at, you know, we, we, we created some documents, sent them to her. Look, could you just give us a review on that? Yep, need to change that, change that. Thank you very much. You know, so we know that the support is there. So for other advisors, the support is there. Um, the, the application process itself is pretty straightforward. Um, the documents, you, you have to have a live documents. So like your business continuity plan, your cybersecurity, Keep it in your drive or wherever you store your documents. Keep it as a live document. Update it regularly. It's not difficult. It's not sit and forget. That's what a lot of people it's, think. It's not. It's mm. live. And then just pop a diary note in your calendar, you know, and the FMA expects you to do that. So just do it. it it's a two-second thing. Mm. Pop it in the diary. Um, level five, if you haven't got level five by now, you know, why not? It, it, again, it's not, it's not a difficult paper. It's time Jeff, consuming. I passed it. There you go. See? There you go. There That's... you go. There you go. <laughs> Any indication. Um, there you go. So well, I did mine a long time ago. Um, so that's from the from the you know the ability to trade, if you like. So you've got to have your level five, you've got to be regulated. So th those are your baselines. So getting that out of the way. And then it's setting out your stall. How do you want to be perceived in the industry to your to your consumer? So it goes back to do you want to be a general practitioner? Nothing wrong with that. Do you want to be a specialist in some sector? So it's then whatever you decide is focus on that. So get yourself upskilled. Um, if, it, if it's in the non-bank space, talk to the BDMs. You know, they will very happily, hopefully now COVID's disappearing, actually physically come and see you, but they'll do Zoom stuff with you. Read the underwriting manual, get to know it. Um, understand that it is different to a bank. 
uh, understand you don't need to do this, but you do need to do that. And and I think the, the, the big difference between a bank and a non-bank is banks are, and this is very much a generalisation, so it's not advice, um, is a bank is is almost obsessive about the person and not so um, driven by the property. Non-banks are the reverse. The property is everything. So if you've got, if you're looking at a plaster property with no cavity, the chances are you will not get non-bank funding because the property is mm. is, is it. Um, so it's just a, a different mindset. So set out what you want to do and upskill in that space, and then it's how do you get your message out to your target marketplace? And that's old school. So it could be, you know, flyers. Um, Have you done a billboard before? Uh, no. Um, I was asked to do the back of a bus and I and I said to my wife, <laughs> I couldn't think of anything worse than driving up behind a bus and seeing a big mug shot of me on the back of a bus. Just <laughs> no way, Jose. Um, radio ads. Um yeah, we did some radio advertising a while ago. It's actually on. So if anybody's interested in, 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 in the ad, look at our website um, and then look on the front page and there's a, a radio clip. It's a 30-second radio ad we did about six years ago. And we tried to inject humour. I think I've heard this one. I yeah. think I saw it on your website. The Scottish, the Scottish. It, it's all about being Scottish um, or not. Um, and... The brief to the radio people was, look, mortgages are not exactly the most exciting things on the planet. So in order to engage, you need to make it humorous. Um, and they did an amazing job. Um, so the ad, it's still there. Um, Who did you do it through? Yeah, that was MediaWorks. Um, uh, and, um, yeah, they did. They did I did a bit of part-time stuff with them. They, so oh, okay. they, they did a great job. It, it's a real fun ad. Um, and it still attracts, you know, all these years um, later. So it, it, it's not just doing one thing. So the radio ad was in addition to other advertising. So you've got to get your message out there. Social media is critical. You've got to have presence on social media because um, that's where people look. So your Facebook, your LinkedIn, uh, all that kind of stuff, really important. Um, and if you're not sure how to do it, me, I have no idea how to do it. Outsource it. You know, make sure you've got somebody who really understands it. So we have a, a social media company that's all our social media stuff. Sometimes if you don't have the capital behind you, um, just beg, borrow and steal. You know, if you write down a whole list of all the people you know and then two people that they know, chances are there'll be somebody in some form that might be able to help you. Maybe you do mates rates at times of time. Yeah, yeah. And it goes back to what they call the barbecue thing, you know, you go to a barbecue, if, if, if somebody asks you what you do, if you say, I'm a financial advisor, you know, next, <laughs> move on, you know. What How about do you them do? all blacks? What, 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 yeah. <laughs> you know, what do you do? I'm a financial paramedic. Whoa. Whoa, what does that mean? Uh, it, it sparks the conversation. Um, oh, so you only deal with people who've got troubles. No. You know, we, we, we have great relationships with the banks. Uh, and we have to have a great relationship with the bank because under the rules and regs, if I put somebody into a, a short-term non-bank space, I need to have an exit strategy to get them back to mainstream lending, which is what we do. So that's another benefit of our space is we generate the lead. So that costs money generally to generate a lead. So we put them with the non-bank lender for, say, six or 12 months uh, to fix a problem. 
And then guess what? We refinance them into a bank and we get paid twice. How bad's that? Yeah, money for jam. Well, the second time is is <laughs> is, is is you can't say it's all profit, but but it it is more profitable because I haven't had the cost of acquisition yeah. of 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 the lead. And I like how you named uh, so many different points, so many different touch points to getting that client through the door. We we always talk about um, it's it's about marginal gains. Mm. Um, I can't remember all this stuff on the podcast before, but it was like the the British track cycling team and. They know that there's only so fast you can go on the bike around yep. the velodrome. So they started doing little things like changing the foam on the handlebars, shaving their legs, and each time just getting like a little just incremental a tiny, adjustment. Tiny yep. So putting that scope on, um, it sounds like you're doing it already because it's all it's not just one big thing, which is something I used to get caught in all the time. What's the big idea? What can we do next? When really it's just it's little tiny changes. And, and if, you know, if, if you're starting out in the industry and, and, and money is a bit tight, yeah, been there, mm. um, be creative, you know, go to the barbecues. If you're involved in a fishing club, um, you know, maybe you'd be able to give a speech, you know, give a talk. Local business community. So where I live, we have a, a, a business. Um, it, it's not, um, what's the main one? Uh, the B&I type stuff. But as an advisor, I can again stand up for five minutes and say, hi, this is who I am, local business. Mm. This is what we do. It's gold. It's absolute gold. Hand out a few business cards, um, and you might not get a deal straight away, but you will get a deal. Well, they might be at a barbecue the next week, and somebody goes, "I'm trying to buy a house." Oh, I saw this guy at a uh, exactly. So, it's, so, and that, and that's a constant process. You can't just set and forget. You've actually got to be constantly out there um, uh, doing it. Uh, I'm very heavily involved in Coast Guard, so uh, I get the opportunity to market to 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 those guys. Um, if you're involved in a cricket club or, or anything like that, any social club, kids' schools, you know, schools send out newsletters. Get yourself in the newsletter. You're the local guru for financing. It goes out to all the all the parents of the schools. I mean, anything like that it doesn't cost an awful lot of money. Okay, and the last point, I know you're busy, so I don't want to keep you too long, but um, let's say you've got all these great ideas down of things you could do for your business to bring people in or improve your process, how do you prioritise them? Uh, you mean in terms of, of the lead? Uh, I'm talking more in, ter in terms of improving your business. So we've talked about how to bring leads in, you know, how different types of marketing, improving the process, learning. For somebody who maybe has so many of those different things to do, how would you sit down and prioritise them so they're focusing on the important stuff? I think, I think it's setting out a process. It, you know, everything we do in our industry should be process driven um, because once you get into that rhythm, everything just falls into place. So in, in, in our business, we have a process for the advisor will take the call or in fact, no, that's not true. We have a, a lady takes the call. She will then feed that to the advisor. The advisor will speak to the customer, get a wrap around what they're trying to achieve. And that's in, all encompassing. So is it urgent? Is it pre-approval? What are they trying to do? All that kind of stuff. So that was set at a sort of a time frame. So if it's a, I've got to settle on Friday and it's Tuesday, that supersedes everything. Okay, so what are the issues? So you've been to a bank or several banks. What was the problem? Why did that bank say no? Um, identify the issue. And then that would drive where you go to on, on, on your lending panel to A, who will do it. So there might be three of those, mm -hmm. but actually who can do it in time. 
Um, so that will drive. So the customer's situation will generally drive how that process works. Okay. So it's not so much a question of priority because the first home buyer who's not going to buy for six months, they aren't a lower priority than somebody who needs to settle on Friday. It's just different. So they will go into the same process, but the urgency is not there. And we, and we will talk to them about that. You know, we will say to people, you know, we've got, I did it this morning on the way in, in into here. You know, a guy sent me a whole load of documents yesterday morning. I haven't had a chance to look at them. And I did actually email him yesterday, after, yesterday morning saying, thanks for the docs. I will get back to you by close of play Friday, today. Um, and he rang me this morning to say, have I, have I had a chance to have a look? I said, I haven't. I will be doing it. So set the expectation yeah. and stick to it. Um, and going way back to, you know, when we first arrived in New Zealand, somebody, I, I remember saying to somebody, what have I got to do to make a difference? And it was so simple. And it's nothing to do with financial services. It was do as you say. Under promise and over deliver. And if you say you're going to phone somebody back today, phone them back today. Even if it's to say, I've got nothing to tell you. Yeah. But I promised I'd phone you back today. 95% of people do not do that. And, and that's in the same in any industry. Uh, so if you do that, you'll be a cut above most people. It sounds simple, but you're right. It, like it is, a lot of it is simple. Um, it takes discipline, mm. um, you know, to make sure that, 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 that it's done properly. Uh, and you don't always get it right. Uh, but if, you're, if your goal is to make sure that you follow your process and get it right, you can't go too far wrong. You're golden. Jeff, thanks so much for joining us today. It's been amazing hearing about your story and, you know, the, the highs, the lows, and um, just yep. hearing about you've got so much knowledge about a very particular part of the industry I think a lot of advisors would love hearing about. So thanks so much for joining us. No, you're very welcome. And, and if anybody wants to have a chat a deal through, or, and I'm not saying this from a, you know, I want the business type perspective, but if anybody ever wants to, like, workshop an app, a scenario or they're thinking about exploring this sector of the market, I'm really happy provide you by the coffee. Uh, really happy <laughs> to, to, to have a chat. That's really generous. Awesome. Well, thank you very much. Yeah, it was a pleasure. And um, if you've got any questions, I know that there's, uh, we haven't released the first one yet, so there's going to be a few few weeks down the line. But if you do have any questions, uh, feel free to email warwick at gettrail.com and we can put them onto the podcast. Um, thanks so much for joining us. Look forward to speaking with you next time. Good luck. Bye. <laughs>